Chapter 28, Part 2 of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof, translated by Felma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. Gorgo the Eagle in Captivity Gorgo was only three years old and had not as yet thought about marrying and procuring a home for himself when he was captured one day by a hunter and sold to the Skansen Zoological Garden, where there were already two eagles held captive in a cage built of iron bars and steel wires. The cage stood out in the open and was so large that a couple of trees had easily been moved into it, and quite a large cairn was piled up in there. Notwithstanding all this, the birds were unhappy. They sat motionless on the same spot nearly all day. Their pretty dark feather dresses had become rough and lusterless, and their eyes were riveted with hopeless longing on the sky without. During the first week of Gorgo's captivity he was still awake and full of life, but later a heavy torpor came upon him. He perched himself on one spot, like the other eagles, and stared at vacancy. He no longer knew how the days passed. One morning, when Gorgo sat in his usual torpor, he heard someone call to him from below. He was so drowsy that he could barely rouse himself enough to lower his glance. "'Who is calling me?' he asked. "'Oh, Gorgo, don't you know me? It's Thumbietot, who used to fly around with the wild geese.' "'Is Akka also captured?' asked Gorgo in the tone of one who was trying to collect his thoughts after a long sleep. "'No, Akka, the white goosey gander and the whole flock are probably safe and sound up in Lapland at this season, said the boy. It's only I who am prisoner here. As the boy was speaking, he noticed that Gorgo averted his gaze and began to stare into space again. Golden Eagle, cried the boy, I have not forgotten that once you carried me back to the wild geese, and that you spared the white goosey gander's life. Tell me if I can be of any help to you. Gorgo scarcely raised his head. "'Don't disturb me, Thumbietot,' he yawned. "'I'm sitting here dreaming that I am free, and am soaring away up among the clouds. I don't want to be awake.' "'You must rouse yourself and see what goes on around you,' the boy admonished, "'or you will soon look as wretched as the other eagles.' "'I wish I were as they. They are so lost in their dreams.' that nothing more can trouble them," said the eagle. When night came and all three eagles were asleep, there was a light scraping on the steel wires stretched across the top of the cage. The two listless old captives did not allow themselves to be disturbed by the noise, but Gorgo awakened. "'Who's there? Who is moving up on the roof?' he asked. "'It's Thumbietot, Gorgo,' answered the boy. I'm sitting here filing away at the steel wires so that you can escape. The eagle raised his head and saw in the night light how the boy sat and filed the steel wires at the top of the cage. He felt hopeful for an instant, 
but soon discouragement got the upper hand. I'm a big bird, Thumby Tot, said Gorgo. How can you ever manage to file away enough wires for me to come out? You'd better quit that and leave me in peace. Oh, go to sleep and don't bother about me, said the boy. I'll not be through tonight nor tomorrow night, but I shall try to free you in time, for here you'll become a total wreck. Gorgo fell asleep. When he awoke the next morning, he saw at a glance that a number of wires had been filed. That day he felt less drowsy than he had done in the past. He spread his wings and fluttered from branch to branch to get the stiffness out of his joints. One morning, early, just as the first streak of sunlight made its appearance, Thumbietot awakened the eagle. "'Try now, Gorgo,' he whispered. The eagle looked up. The boy had actually filed off so many wires that now there was a big hole in the wire netting. Gorgo flapped his wings and propelled himself upward. Twice he missed and fell back into the cage, but finally he succeeded in getting out. With proud wing-strokes he soared into the clouds. Little Thumbietot sat and gazed after him with a mournful expression. He wished that someone would come and give him his freedom, too. The boy was domiciled now at Skansen. He had become acquainted with all the animals there, and had made many friends among them. He had to admit that there was so much to see and learn there that it was not difficult for him to pass the time. To be sure, his thoughts went forth every day to Morton Goosey Gander and his other comrades, and he yearned for them. If only I weren't bound by my promise, he thought, I'd find some bird to take me to them. It may seem strange that Clement Larson had not restored the boy's liberty, but one must remember how excited the little fiddler had been when he left Skansen. The morning of his departure he had thought of setting out the midget's food in a blue bowl, but, unluckily, he had been unable to find one. All the Skansen folk, Laps, peasant girls, artisans, and gardeners, had come to bid him good-bye, and he had had no time to search for a blue bowl. It was time to start, and at the last moment he had to ask the old Laplander to help him. One of the tiny folk happens to be living here at Skansen, said Clement, and every morning I set out a little food for him. Will you do me the favor of taking these few coppers and purchasing a blue bowl with them? Put a little gruel and milk in it, and tomorrow morning set it out under the steps of Bolnas Cottage. The old Laplander looked surprised, but there was no time for Clement to explain further, as he had to be off to the railway station. The Laplander went down to the zoological village to purchase the bowl. As he saw no blue one that he thought appropriate, he bought a white one, and this he conscientiously filled and set out every morning. That was why the boy had not been released from his pledge. He knew that Clement had gone away, but he was not allowed to leave. That night the boy longed more than ever for his freedom. This was because summer had come now in earnest. During his travels 
He had suffered much in cold and stormy weather, and when he first came to Skansen he had thought that perhaps it was just as well that he had been compelled to break the journey. He would have been frozen to death had he gone to Lapland in the month of May, but now it was warm, the earth was green-clad, birches and poplars were clothed in their satiny foliage, and the cherry-trees, in fact all the fruit-trees, were covered with blossoms. The berry-bushes had green berries on their stems, the oaks had carefully unfolded their leaves, and peas, cabbages, and beans were growing in the vegetable garden at Skansen. Now it must be warm up in Lapland, thought the boy. I should like to be seated on Morton Goosey Gander's back on a fine morning like this. It would be great fun to ride around in the warm, still air and look down at the ground, as it now lies decked with green grass and embellished with pretty blossoms. He sat musing on this when the eagle suddenly swooped down from the sky and perched beside the boy on top of the cage. I wanted to try my wings to see if they were still good for anything, said Gorgo. You didn't suppose that I meant to leave you here in captivity. Get up on my back, and I'll take you to your comrades. No, that's impossible, the boy answered. I have pledged my word that I would stay here till I am liberated. What sort of nonsense are you talking? protested Gorgo. In the first place, they brought you here against your will. Then they forced you to promise that you would remain here. Surely you must understand that such a promise one need not keep. Oh, no, I must keep it, said the boy. I thank you all the same for your kind intention, but you can't help me. Oh, can't I, said Gorgo. We'll see about that. In a twinkling he grasped Nils Holgersen in his big talons and rose with him toward the skies, disappearing in a northerly direction. End of chapter 28, part 2 Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia